I'm Kathleen Goldhar, and I'm the host of a new podcast, Crime Story. Every week, we bring you a different crime, told by the storyteller who knows it best. You got one witness who can't be found. You got another witness who's murdered. We couldn't sugarcoat the story. I was getting calls from Cosby's attorney threatening to sue every day. Every crime in one way or another is a reflection of who we are as a people, as a city, as a country. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Mohammed Fayed's original email to the CBC was desperate. He wrote, As you know, the security situation in Israel, Gaza, is getting worse than ever, and my kids are not safe. Not safe at all. I worry deeply for their safety, and I fear I will lose them at any moment, and I might never see them again. Mohammed has lived in British Columbia for more than a year, but his kids are still in Gaza when the war broke out. The CBC's Jody Martinson has been following his story since that first email. She brought us this documentary in November, and she'll join us afterward with an update. Hi. I'm good. It's nice to see you. Thank you so much. It's okay. okay. Mohammed lives in a two-bedroom apartment with a roommate. It's on a tree-lined street partway up the mountain in Burnaby, B.C. His computer hums away right beside where he sleeps at night. If he sleeps at all, uh, you know, even I can see. Have it up right here. So this is from the government, hey. Yeah, just even I see some information. I can't see you here. Watching the news from here. He has stopped going to work at the shawarma food truck. He's focused on only one thing: emailing the government for help to get his kids out of Gaza. You receive emails. Whoa! Can I see? Like, do you have? It looks like last email I received from Global Affairs. You can see here. The whole thing, your whole inbox is just emails with the government, is it? Yeah, like, I keep talking to them. This is many emails. That's on the last update from here. This is an important email because uh, Global Affairs, they say we have reference for your kids. Here's this number that they have. like a, It's called consular case for your children. A consular case number. Then you have to mention uh, this reference so we can become, uh, make it for them more easy to reach the data of my kids. Uh, uh, yeah, for so uh, A decade ago in Gaza, Mohammed worked for the UN in the education and IT departments. He fled Gaza as a refugee bound for Indonesia, but he had to leave his family behind. Years ticked by, and he watched his kids grow up through videos. His ex-wife, the kid's mother, eventually had to flee as well. So the kids came under the care of Muhammad's brother. Then finally, just over a year and a half ago, Canada accepted Muhammad as a refugee. He settled in Burnaby, and now he finds himself in this apartment, parked in front of a computer. I just mentioned that your, your kids. He's waiting for emails and he's tracking the news. In the queue for processing. When the kid's phone is charged, they video chat. You keep telling me that they're um, they're traumatized. How do you know that? Yeah. They never smile like before. They always I can see their face very, uh, they're very scared and very. She look oh. my, my daughter. The face she looks oh, like. Oh, uh, look at her face. Yeah, this is her, this is from this week. When see, yes, this is Mohammed's daughter Amar is fourteen. His son Amir is twelve. Maybe will be next, and we don't know what's going on. She just has a most most worried expression on her face, yes, doesn't she? Yeah, I see that. Do they send you videos now, or can yeah, they get yes, videos out? Yes, I can. I try to find the video for you. Send to me. Yes. 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 Yes
خدونا طلعونا على كندا نترجاكم السفارة الكندية طلعونا عند بابا بدنا نساعد يساعدونا My son keep crying. Please help us. I'm asking Canadian government to help us to take us out from Gaza as soon as possible. We need to go to our dad in Canada. When I live with them, help us to be evacuated from there. Try, you know, they called me. They said, please, can Canada do something for us? And do you think that we are qualified to be evacuated for like a Canadian or not? Yeah, my, my kids are smart. They understand what's going on. Smart, I, yeah. yeah they, they may, they're just wondering if Canada can help them to be out from there. Yeah. And it's pitch black in that video because it's night and there's no lights yeah, or because no, the electricity's yeah, all out, off, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And you said when you talk to them, you're telling them, stay positive. Come on, we're going to get through this. I, 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 Do you try to pretend I, it's not affecting you as much as it is? Yeah, but uh, very hard to tell him like that because they are kids and they, they have... You know, uh, I just ask him to keep sleep. Uh, just if you want to feel hungry, go to drink something, go to eat. But even there's no water, even that. Yeah. But do you know, do they have food and water right now? They don't have food enough. He says they didn't have enough food. But they're eating just one time, something like that. Yeah. But I guess what I not what I don't understand is, like, as a parent, you're doing everything you can here to try to push their case along. But, like, when you get them on the phone, you tell them... Come on, keep yeah, keep strong, up, stay strong, p- stay strong, stay stay positive. While trying my best to be uh, out from here, soon you will hear some news. Just be ready. Uh, keep your passport, keep the document, keep your certificate. Because once you come to Canada, you have to show that you pass some grade or level, so they can let you to go to school. So they are happy with that. They just they keep their document in the bag because my kids long time didn't go to school also. So they are uh, very excited to go to Canada so they can start their education mm-hmm. and can go to school. Mm-hmm. So you try to give them a little bit of hope, give them this advice of yes. getting organized, getting ready. Do you talk about the destruction around them and try to deal with the part of them that's feeling traumatized by it as well? Yeah, when they see this kind of destruction, I tell them, okay, so you have to stay away from that thing. You have to be safe. The kids live in Han Yunis. That's a city in the south that was supposed to be in the safe zone. The kids tell Mohammed the apartment nearby was leveled. They try to avoid this kind of place, but this happened in front of them. So they even they try to find some place to correct themselves, but that place maybe can't be targeted. So we don't know what's happened this next. Uh, we don't know if our home is safe or not. He says they don't know what will happen next. They don't know if their home is safe. Uh, even sometimes they go to the shelter, but shelter have a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, can you keep me posted? Uh, Oh, here's Foreign Affairs. Yes, that's right. Hopefully something good news coming. Hi? It's someone from Global Affairs in Ottawa. Yes. Mohammed tells me he thinks the government is working really hard. He can tell. He just wants everything to move faster so that when or if that border with Egypt opens, his kids can get out. Week one of the war ticks by into week two. Mohammed says his son is a great soccer player, a little Lionel Messi. He has, he has hoped that one day he can be a player and he can yeah, play with Barcelona or any team in Europe. So They tease each other because Mohammed likes Real Madrid and his son likes Barcelona. His daughter is studious and she has big goals. He will always have the, that... Um, hope she she can she can be a doctor one day 
and she came to me and she said, how is that, uh, that education in Canada? So she, she, I tell me, yeah, the education in Canada is the best in the world. So if you come here, you will be able to go to school. Then you don't worry, just when you come here, you can start your education and study. Then for sure, you'll be a doctor here. Why not? Yeah. Week three of the war. Mohammed says he's not okay. The little timestamp at the top of his daughter's WhatsApp page has frozen. The kids haven't been online for hours. Mohammed says he feels like a heart attack could happen to him at any moment, that it feels like extreme anxiety, extreme fear. Hello? Hi, it's, it's Jody. Yes, Jody. Yeah, so um, uh, sometimes yeah, because I am thinking over about my kids and I try to manage uh, all the things I have. Like, I have too much stress. Um, yeah, I have that fear of my kids that are going to lose them at any moment. So I am trying to be okay and to overcome all this uh, difficulty that I'm facing right now. He's struggling. But sometimes he allows himself to imagine meeting his kids at the Vancouver airport. Yeah, yeah, I just uh, I say, okay, oh my God, if... I can't believe that my kids can cross the border. I just uh, waiting the news and this will see. Just this is like I'm so excited if they we can be able to cross. I will be so happy. I will be so glad. But uh, at the same time, I have that fear. There's a lot of challenge. There there will be like thousands of people who are trying to escape and get out from Gaza. But uh, as you know, that's, uh, I'm focused on my, my kids in Gaza. So I I just trying to to to, to find any way that. My kids can be able to get out from Gaza as soon as possible. Days go by. The estimates now are that thousands of children are dead. The border between Gaza and Egypt opens, but no Canadians get out. Then the border closes up again. Mohammed texts a selfie of his daughter smiling and says that was from before when there was a possibility they'd make it through the Rafa gate. Then last week, reports Canadians are starting to make it through. And that's when my phone chimes. Hello? Mohammed has good news. Yes, Judy, how are you? I'm so good, how are you? Um, very good, thank you so much for asking, thank you. What happened? Yeah, I, I just... Uh... Uh, I received a call two hours ago from uh, the, my uh, uh, my brother's wife. And, yeah, she was in contact uh, with uh, my brother in the, the Egyptian side. She called him, and he, he said that we, he already uh, crossed it into the Egyptian side. The kids are out. They're on the Egyptian side, stamps on documents, and they're waiting for a bus hired by Canada to take them to Cairo. Egyptian uh, border. Uh, crossing. Uh, I, I I can't imagine. I can't explain to you how 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 odd my feel. I feel like uh, you know that I get a brave like this, and I see I can't believe. But then I I realize that happened, and I'm very very happy. And as I I tell you, I know what to describe. Did you cry when you heard? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I yeah, I cry. <laughs> <laughs> I cry, I, it's a cry, but this cry is not uh, totally different because it's mixed with the happiness. And uh, I, I, I can't, you know, I can't explain about my feeling right now. I'm very, very happy and very glad that 
make it already uh, make it and and so then Mohammed, what happens? They you said it take some hours to get to Cairo, and then do they get on an airplane right away, or what happens? Uh, I'm not sure, but as I hear, they I think they have like seventy two hours maximum. Wow. Because I uh, I went to the global office to call me, then I will go to book for them the ticket uh, from here. Yeah. Meanwhile, the kids are in Cairo, waiting to be processed by the Canadian government. They're with their uncle in a hotel. That's where they meet a CBC reporter. Can you spell your name for me, Mohammed's daughter, Amar, smiles at the camera. Can he tell me a little bit about what it's like in, in Gaza? What's like? His son, Amir, talks about life before the war being beautiful. He reminisces about playing with other kids, school, homework, and of course soccer. Football. Amir talks a bit about the war. How he learned about the loss of life, the loss of family. Bad things, he repeats, bad things. Amir is excited to be going to Canada. But he's worried, too, about meeting new people and not speaking English. But he's happy he'll finally see his dad. That day has finally arrived. There's no any formation. There's no any delays. Mohammed is in the international arrivals area of the Vancouver airport, looking up at the screen that tracks planes coming in. That on the air. Yeah, still in the air too. He's following the progress of the flight from Frankfurt. I'm just waiting for to get permission to landing. Right. He's wearing a ball cap and bomber jacket with a fanny pack slung over his shoulder. Also. One was in Egypt, this is in the Cairo airport. He passes the time by showing off pictures and videos that the kids have sent along the way. Those are real smiles, hey? Yeah, they're happy because it's the first time, you know, using the airplane, yeah. The kids hadn't even left Gaza before this trip. But they, they told me something. They say we are traveling between four continents. They start from Asia, Asia to Africa and then Europe, now North America. So they, they, they cross four different <laughs> Place. Yeah, that's really nice for them. They say the He's time. smiling and seems relaxed, but the hand holding the Tim Hortons double-double is trembling a little. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like my heart can be stopped. Oh my God. Is your heart beating yeah, fast? Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know when I, I'm going to meet them. I, I don't know what I will... What, it's something like, I can't explain, I can't you know describe to you, but it's really emotional, moving and... Yeah, so no word to describe how feel I, I have right now. But, yeah, it was dreaming, and now these dreams come true. Okay. Ah, my daughter, ah, come up. Finally, a call. She could, ah, my Sarah. It's his brother who's traveling with the kids. They've landed and are waiting for the bags. Then the process of customs and immigration. Yeah, they're good, yeah. Finally, now they're in Vancouver, yeah. Mohammed sits down. This could take a while. 
His foot is constantly bouncing. What else? Yeah, I have like uh, 10 different places in the list. And I will choose which one will be the first. He talks about the plans he's made. He's booked off work for 10 days to spend time with them. He even has the first stop after the airport planned out. Some food for them. I will, I will take him to McDonald's. and They like some fresh chicken, something like that. Uh, and then, yeah, after that, we take him to home because they are very tired, so they should go and take rest. Sleep in their new IKEA beds. Uh, yeah, yeah. I will t- <laughs> Every time he sees a girl with long, dark hair, just like his daughter, emerging from the sliding doors, he looks up hopefully. All false alarms. Guys, uh, I, uh, this is for the one who with them, and they say they take, they take time. This is the updates keep coming. And we don't know, maybe one hour. So I just wanted you to take one hour. Another hour goes by, then another call. This time, it's Canadian Border Services Agency. Mohammed jumps up and, without a word, disappears behind a locked door. The long-awaited reunion is in private. When they do emerge, he has an arm around each of his kids. I'm very happy because they, they meet their dad, and I'm so grateful for Global Affairs. They did their best to bring my kids safe to Canada. I'm very grateful for their help and support. Okay, guys. They're wearing jackets with fur lined hoods and carrying backpacks. <laughs> what was it like to see your dad? What was it like to see your dad? Did you hug? They smile shyly as reporters pepper them with questions they don't understand. Okay, guys. I'm, my feel is not, you know, I, I can't imagine how, how my feel. I feel like emotional and I'm so, so happy and no word to describe how's my feeling right now. Um, finally, I meet my kids after 10 years. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. It's clear Mohammed is done talking with anyone but his kids today. Yeah, so, sorry, guys, I have to go because... Right. He keeps them by his side, and they head for their new home. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. That was Jody Martinson with the documentary first played in November. And Jody joins me now with an update on how Muhammad and his kids are doing. Jody, good morning. Hi, Matt. So Muhammad and I met a few weeks ago outside his son's new school. Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you again. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> so this is his school. Yeah, this is the school of uh, my son Amir. And yeah, this is a very beautiful school. They had cut out snowflakes on the windows and there were a bunch of kids running around outside with no coats. No coats, because it wouldn't be a Canadian school in December unless there are kids who are running around without their jackets on. (laughs) Exactly. And when I got there, it was the three o'clock school pickup rush. This is something that parents would know very well. And you know how it is with kids, Matt. You'd do anything for them, but parenting is also such a grind and Mohammed was really feeling that. 
there's a lot of challenges as a single dad. I have to wake up every every day, every morning. I have to prepare some food for them, and uh, it's very difficult for me because uh, as a single dad, yeah, you have to manage all this thing and you have to go to a job and work. It's and you work like really late, right? Like you don't get home yeah, till. I'm just working, but I uh, just like part time, and yeah. And uh, life here is a little expensive, but you have to manage all this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, Amir. I texted him. Amir. I texted him and he said, Baba. Gonna... This is Amir. I texted him, but can you remind him? I must report, Matt, that Amir was one of the few kids coming out with his puffy jacket zipped all the way up. Excellent. And he has been plunked into grade seven at this elementary school, which in BC means he'll actually be off to high school next year. So he's part of the graduating class. Underneath his jacket, he was wearing a class of 2024 hoodie for his new school. And it was black and the year was written graffiti style and it had all of the students' names. I know exactly the kind of hoodie that you're talking about. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. It's nice to see you at your school. Nice to see you too. Yes. How was your day at school today? Perfect. Perfect. That's a pretty good sign. What, 10 days in? I think so. Mohammed said the kids were really excited to go to school, even on the first day, and that the teachers have been patient, speaking really slowly, pointing to things to help them understand. As we walked away from the school, heading home, Amir started talking to his dad in Arabic. And you might relate to this too, Matt. What we're listening to is Amir getting on his dad's case right away (laughs) to send the money, sign the permission slip so he can go to the school's ice skating field trip. It's nice to hear from Amir. I mean, he's been through an awful lot. And and right now, in that moment, he's worried about, as you said, the permission slips and and, and the toonies, making sure they get in on time. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't want to ask Amir to go back and to talk about what he went through in Gaza. As as I mentioned, it's only his 10th day of school. And so when we got home to their apartment, we decided to keep it light and just go kick the soccer ball around in the parking lot. We bantered a bit about great Canadian footballers, him about Alfonso Davies. Davis, Canada. What's his first name again? Davis. Uh, Alfonso Davis. Alfonso Davis. Yes. And me about Christine Sinclair, one of Amir's fellow Burnaby, BC residents, and the top goal scorer out of everyone. How, how many goals she has? I don't know. More than anyone. She, she is more than Ronaldo and Messi? Yes. You said that I can't believe because yeah. Ronaldo is the, the most, the most. But she's from here. She's an easy goal, <laughs> So we sorted out that Christine Sinclair has the most goals internationally. Oh, okay. But Amir's beloved Messi and also Ronaldo have more if you count all levels of play. And then Amir got back on his dad's case. Absolutely. <laughs> My dad is still not uh, interested to register me in the soccer. That's, that's not right. I tried to figure out to find it. You say that's a problem. No, it's not don't, me. Don't be hard on your dad. He has worked so hard to get you here. And it collects Okay. You see this? My dad's little lazy. He don't like to send me to the. I, I I like. I wish, but I still I have to find for you the website. Then I can fill form for you. Parents dropping the ball, and the kid on his case. 
So I told Amir, once that dad gets him finally registered, I'd really love to come and watch him play. And then when you have a game, can you let me know? And I'll just come watch. I won't bring this. I won't bring a microphone. I'll just come watch. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You say I'm going here play. I try to score. Then in that time you can record him by video. It will be fine. And I'll give you a high five. It's the universal language of soccer. And he just sounds like a kid who just wants to play. He sure does. And he doesn't mind the video cameras. <laughs> Especially when he scores. Jody, thank you very much. You're welcome, Matt. Jody Martinson produced this story with the CBC's current documentary editor, Liz Hoth, and Julia Poggle from CBC's audio documentary unit. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.